Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. We have just finished our 2022 Set Apart Conference, and what a powerful weekend focusing on what it means to abide in Jesus Christ. And I love the picture in scripture of the, the branch clinging to the vine, and that is where the true life source of that branch comes from. And what an amazing picture that Jesus gives us when it comes to our relationship with him. In this episode, I want to feature just one aspect of the abiding life that we talked about at this year's conference. Before we dive in, I wanted to to let you know that if you were not able to attend in person in Colorado for our 2020 conference, you can still join us through Simulcast. We have a few more days that you can register. And after you register, you'll have access to the conference sessions for the rest of 2022. So this is a great way to take these messages into your own daily quiet times, into maybe if you have a Bible study that you're leading or hosting, or even if you want to create an entire event in your church or in your home where you can share this set-apart message with other women in your life. It is an amazing way to articulate those deeper truths of the gospel that sometimes we have a hard time sharing with other people in our lives. Having them to an event like this where you're streaming these conference sessions is an amazing way to communicate that deeper truth to them about what it means to build your life around Jesus Christ. So if you'd like to register, go to the link in this podcast description or visit us at setapartgirl.com and just click on upcoming events and that will lead you through the process of how to register for a, a simulcast of our 2022 Set Apart Conference. Let's dive into this principle of abiding in the love of Christ. And this is based on a scripture in John 15 where Jesus says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, this is a really baffling truth that Jesus is expressing to us here, because if you think about the love that the father has for his son, it is just this perfect, pure, amazing, sacrificial love. And that perfect love that God has towards his only son is the very same love that Jesus has for us. As the father has loved me, I also have loved you. That is an extraordinary reality. The king of all kings loves us with a perfect, infinite, unchanging, sacrificial, and faithful love. And then Jesus says that we are to abide in that love. And that means to remain, to dwell, to continue, to refuse to depart from him, from that love, that place of abiding in him. Abiding in his love is something that can sound nice and poetic, but we live in a world that sets us up to do the opposite of of abiding in his love. We are taught by whether by example or even verbally by others in our lives that we should push him away and doubt his love, especially when we go through difficult things. One of the things I've noticed in the past couple of decades really is that a lot of Christians, even Christian leaders, seem to be renouncing their faith and walking away from the love of Christ. Why is this happening and why does it seem to be happening more and more? One of the reasons I believe is an incorrect response to trials and difficulty and suffering, a response that says, can you believe God did that to you? You have every right to be angry with him. He let you down. He can't possibly be a God of love. That is exactly how the enemy wants us to respond. Sometimes the thing that we went through might even be an attack of the enemy, but then he will whisper in our ear to try to get us to blame God and push him away and to doubt God's love for us. It's really easy to fall for that bait today because we see that kind of cynicism and doubt towards God all around us, even among Christians. 
Yet one thing I've noticed is that I've looked back over the years at Christian heroes, read a lot of Christian biographies, and often you don't see that same response of doubting God's love, of pushing him away in some of the historical Christians that we look up to. Why is that the case? I believe it's because oftentimes they understood the love of Christ far better than we do today. And usually that's because they know the word of God. They knew the word of God a lot better than we know it today. A lot of them went through more difficult things than we ever will. At the conference, I shared a little bit about Darlene Dibler's story, and I've talked about her on this podcast before, but what she went through in the Second World War as a captured missionary and a prisoner of war is so far beyond what most of us can even comprehend, and yet she chose to remain in the love of God, and he proved himself so faithful even in that dark and difficult time. Some of the examples that I look to in history, one is Lilius Trotter. And again, I've shared her story in this podcast before, but one aspect of her story that I haven't really highlighted is when she first went to the mission field. Now, if you're not familiar with who she is, she was a Victorian woman in that that English time period where there were a lot of wealthy Victorian homes and she came from a very well-to-do family. She was a beautiful artist and painter. She had just incredible talent. And she was sort of mentored by John Ruskin, who was one of the famous art critics of that time. And he wanted to make her into a truly famous artist that would go down in history. And she walked away from all of that, from all of her comforts and wealth, so that she could go to the mission field in Algeria. And one of the things that most people don't know about her story, unless you've really studied her life, is that when she arrived in Algeria, the first few years were excruciatingly difficult. The climate was harsh. The people were hostile. She faced extreme persecution and false accusation, hatred from the local people, physical exhaustion, and just the spiritual oppression of coming into the er- the enemy's territory and seeking to bring truth and life. And this is something that she wrote later about those early years on the mission field. She said, There are testings on the battlefield where the inner life failed, the nerve strain of the climate, the pressure on our spirits of the satanic forces with which all teams out here. Knowing the kind of oppression she was facing, she must have wondered at times, if her incredible sacrifice had been worth it. If she hadn't gone to the mission field, she probably would be the type of artist that we would be studying about in history books. She gave all of that up to go to this obscure place in Algeria where things were just difficult, one hardship after the next. And yet through all of that, Lilius did not question the love of God. In fact, she did the opposite. She wrote this several years later. Take the very hardest thing in your life and expect God to triumph gloriously in that very spot. Just there, he can bring your soul into blossom. For the rest of her missionary life, she began to see incredible spiritual breakthroughs, and she lived a fruitful, fulfilling life abiding in Christ. Another missionary I often talk about on this podcast is Amy Carmichael. And after spending most of her life tirelessly pouring out herself in India for the sake of the gospel, rescuing children, rescuing women who were in vulnerable situations, helping the weak, when she was in her 60s, she had a fall one day and she was partially crippled. It confined her to her room for the remaining 20 years of her life. So if you can just imagine someone used to being so active in ministry and just helping the weak and serving the poor and rescuing children and constantly going on adventures for the gospel suddenly is confined to her bedroom. She can never take more than a few steps out of her bed for the rest of her life. How did she respond to that? Well, she named her bedroom the room of peace. 
It wasn't a sick room. It became her sanctuary with Christ. His presence was there in that room with her from morning until night. And she used that time of confinement to pour truth into her adopted family and into the church around the world. Her response to the unexplained was simply this. Faith reaches out to what it does not grasp, even now, even there. I know that even there in the uttermost places, thy hand shall lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. In those 20 years where she was in that room of peace, she wrote more than 16 books that continue to impact Christians all around the world, even today, decades later. Many of those books have had a profound impact upon me personally. A lot of the books were written as letters to her adopted family as she poured truth into them, and then eventually they were made into books. Her ministry, as well as her relationship with Christ, flourished from that bedroom in her place of weakness. She remained in his love. She was abiding in his love and he was faithful. As these testimonies and so many others prove, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. So what happens when we choose to abide in the love of Christ instead of pushing him away and doubting his love when difficulties come our way? The result is that he shows us his redemption. He writes the rest of our story. He works all things together for our good, and he creates beauty from ashes. We've talked about this verse before, but it is such a beautiful verse in Isaiah 61, 3, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But many of us don't give him that chance to show us his beauty for ashes. We give up on him before he's finished writing our story, and we fail to abide in his love. The reality is that he is waiting to heal and redeem and restore when we remain in his love, when we choose to trust instead of doubt. Every time I have chosen to abide in his love, even when I can't see the end of the story, he has been faithful to heal and restore and work all things together for good in his perfect timing. There are some incredible stories in the Bible of God's redemption. He is a God who brings beauty from ashes. Think about the story of Joseph. He was abandoned, rejected, and falsely accused, but everything that was robbed from him was restored beyond measure, including his relationship with his family members who had betrayed him. Abigail, that's a fascinating story if you've never read about Abigail. She was mistreated by a selfish husband and her life was in danger because of his foolish decisions. But God turned the entire situation around. She was a virtuous woman, a godly woman. And because of that, he put his favor upon her and completely changed the course of her life. Her husband ended up dying and she ended up becoming David the king's wife. Esther was treated like a slave and the king held her life in his hand, but God mightily used her position to save an entire nation and see the enemies of Israel hanged on their own gallows. Job, his entire life crumbled, but he chose to trust God in the midst of every possible trial he could envision facing and everything that was lost was restored to him beyond all he could ask or think. Or what about Noah? Everything he knew, the entire world around him was destroyed. But God protected him and gave he and his family a beautiful new beginning. We serve a God of redemption. There are lots of historical stories of God's redemption as well. And just a few that I think about whenever I talk about this topic is Nate Saint. He was killed 
by the Aka Indians, he and the other men that went to reach them with the hope of the gospel. He was there with Jim Elliott, and most of us know that story. But it's really amazing to think that Nate Saint's sister was instrumental in leading the men who killed him to Christ, and then his children were baptized by some of those same men, and as his children grew up, they became lifelong friends and partners in the gospel with the men from that tribe. What an incredible story of God's love and redemption. Corey and Betsy Ten Boom, it's another great example. Betsy had this vision for Corey and Betsy to go into ministry together after the war was done, but she died in the concentration camp, and Corey must have wondered what that vision was all about. And yet after the war, Corey was able to fulfill that vision that Betsy had, even down to very specific details. Someone gave Corey a home for ministry, and it was the very same home that Betsy had described to Corey when they were still in the concentration camp. A beautiful picture of God's redemption. Darlene Deibler, as she went through these horrific things in the war and lost her husband, later she returned to New Guinea with her second husband, and together they pioneered missionary work to the unreached in New Guinea for more than 30 years. Again, an incredible story of God's redemption. Or Oswald Chambers, a life that was seemingly cut short prematurely. He died at the age of 43, sort of at the peak of his ministry, and yet after his death, his words were used by God to reach millions around the world with truth for decades to come. Robert Jermaine Thomas, I may have talked about him on other podcasts. He was a missionary to China only for about two years, and he died an obscure death at an early age without even really establishing a ministry. But he crossed the border into Korea one day and gave a Bible to a 12-year-old boy, and that was an, an illegal act, and someone came and executed him just five minutes later. But that 12-year-old boy kept that Bible and grew up and gave his life to Christ and started a church, and when another missionary came about 30 years later, after Robert Germain Thomas had been killed, he found this thriving church and the 12-year-old boy had grown up to be a pastor and they had the walls of this home church wallpapered with the pages of that Bible. Corey Ten Boom said, God has plans and not problems for our lives. What an incredible reminder. When we abide in his love, we see his faithfulness unfold in our lives. So the next time you face a disappointment or something difficult, don't push him away. Abide in his love. He is good and his plans for us are good. And when we abide in his love, we can stand back and watch in awe and wonder as he takes ashes and turns them into beauty. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to build a Christ-centered life, please visit us at setapartgirl.com. I hope you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.